0: It was a time when pro wrestling was a pop culture phenomenon. Talk about your songs, talk about John 316. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass.
1: Pay-per-view quality matches live on free TV every Monday night. Monday, July 6th.
0: back at the battle between WCW Monday Nitro and WWF Monday Night Raw. It's me, Austin! Oh, son of a bitch! What? It's me, Austin! It was me all
1: along, Austin! This is Reliving the War with Simon Tackler and Nimza Zor.
0: You can call this the new world order of wrestling brother
2: welcome everyone to reliving the war exclusively here on the gray wolf entertainment network my name is nims joined as always by my buddy in crime simon tackler simon we are well into 1997 we are at the great american bash a full year of wcw and wwf pay-per-views have been going through we're right in the midpoint of 1997 and um Oh, how, how do you want to say who's winning the race if this was uh, if this was a sprint?
1: Well, this is the first Great American Bash that we're reviewing on the show. We didn't do 1996 because we started at Bash at the Beach. So I was excited. I thought the Great American Bash, it's all about barbecues and America and excitement. I don't think this lived up to that. And I think no. after WWE's King of the Ring 1997, I'm just going to say this is a slight, Speed bump on the road <laughs> to uh, greatness of the Monday Night Wars.
2: It is a minor divot in the road. But, yes, June 15th, 1997 is when the Great American Bash was. And when we do WCW pay we like to get in our third man who is the third man you know him very well he is our buddy our compadre our great colleague who used to do the wide world of wrestling with us back in the day and of course we professionally do stuff within well outside the square circle within the business of the squared circle (laughs) Uh, please welcome back to reliving the war the one and only owen jones aka digital
0: beard owen welcome back brother Hello my friends. Thank you for having me. Uh, this is my third time. I think I'm the I think I'm the first three-peat guest of this show because I have done Hogwild and I mm-hmm. did oh I can't remember which one I did. It was not Slowers No, it was Starcade. Starcade 96 was the other one I did. So I'm excited. Um, as I do every episode I'm on, I'd like to let everybody know that when this show happened in uh June 15, nineteen ninety-seven. I was one year, nine months, and six days old.
2: <laughs> that is why we love getting on board, and that is why I specifically mentioned that date because I was just like, oh, "I'm pretty sure he's just
0: barely walking at this point in time." But uh... Uh, look, knowing me, uh, look, I was at this stage. I was I was two years off breaking my leg as well. So <laughs> I broke my leg when I was uh, when I was three. So I wasn't too far off breaking my league. So we, we're doing well as a, as a young Owen Jones.
2: At least you didn't have to watch uh, The Great American Bash 1997. So it could always be worse. But um, No,
0: I made, I made sure I waited until I was nearly 26. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, look, let's get straight into this per view because we start off with the, as Simon mentioned, this is all about America. It is barbecues. It is, you know, it's also Father's Day uh, when this per view is. So we get a really weird, Theme like I was expecting like you know like the spot the Star Spangled Banner or something like that. But what did you think, Simon, of the intro video to lead us into the um, the pay view? Because I thought it was one of the the smoother intros that they've done.
1: It was smooth, but it was blink and you'll miss it. It was really short. It was only about thirty mm. seconds long. It felt like commercial. We've said that quite a bit about these WCW uh, intros. They don't feel like intros. They feel like ads. And it was all about the American worker and the American dream and DDP is both of those things. And then they said, you know, page savage too. this time it's personal or whatever. And then that was it. And then they were like, pyro, let's go to the announcers. One thing I finally not noticed, but thought about, they do the intro videos in WCW. Then they cut to the announcers and the announcers do a really long intro. It might be Mm. two minutes and there's no real music. There's no atmosphere. What are you doing in the crowd? Because just before a pay-per-view starts for people who maybe haven't been to one live, they hype you up and they say in five seconds, we're going to be on live TV. Be as energetic as possible. And you go crazy. There's pyro. Then the first person's music hits. Keep the excitement up. In WCW, there's a weird lull where you're probably just sitting there. You can't hear the announcers. So you kind of kill the crowd again. I don't know. It's really weird
2: and it's not like you're streaming it on your phone or anything back in the day, but uh, Owen, you're, you'd you be very used to, you know, like what an intro package should be in pro wrestling now. I mean, yeah. it's, the, it's a thing older than timing. Mean, every company does it from WWE all the way down to like Impact, Ring of Honor, New Japan, you name it. They know how to put together a package. What did you think of the intro to the Great American Bash?
0: It was really, really as Simon said, it was very short and sharp compared to the old uh, year 10 media projects out of out of Greystown. our our screens previously it was really i had like the old school like 1940s footage of the old man with his like his train driver's cap on with his little kid i'm like this is really weird and then it was like yeah ddp and macho man i love how the tagline for this pay-per-view as well was give him a nice warm hug on father's (laughs) day like what's that got to do with wrestling or anything at all like on this show i don't understand could all. have they didn't even work in the
1: obvious like play on words you know give your father a bear hug on <laughs> Day
0: or whatever like yeah but the, i must say though when when Shivani says there's nine matches on the card i just cried i'm <laughs> like I, i'm like i don't like like nine match pay per views that's like that's current wwe spec not like wcw but i must say um he also said every match on this card is a match with purpose I doubt that highly. And after watching this show, I doubt it even more.
2: Yeah, look, we started off the the match. like and I love it because he does that. Everything has a match with purpose. Let's get to our opening match, which is Psychosis versus Sunny Ono. No, Psychosis with Sunny Ono versus Ultimate Dragon. It's a battle for respect. <laughs> and it's like, oh, my stars! But we saw last month in the last WCW pay-per-view at Slamboree, um Ultimate Dragon still called Ultimate Dragon here. I'm not quite sure when he switches over to Ultimo Dragon or when WCW acknowledge him as Ultimo Dragon. But yeah. uh, it was a very slow plotting opener with William Regal uh, at Slam Breathe the last week. Maurice, this is the sort of stuff that we're used to in a WCW pay-per-view. And Simon, you and I have seen many WCW pay-per-views in the past 12 months or so. So I'll throw it to you, Owen. What did you think of this as an opener? Because you know Summer Psychosis has worked pretty well. You're very well versed with Ultimo Dragon as well. These two guys are sort of at their peak at the moment in '97.
0: Yeah, I um, I was really surprised with this one. I I really liked it. I mean, I'm also a mark for as, as you said, I'm a bit of a mark for Ultimo. I do have a signed Ultimo dragon mask, as <laughs> as mentioned all the time on this show. Um, but no, I I really liked it. Um, the crowd was super hot for it. Um, and they popped for like I didn't realize how over Ultimo Dragon was, but he was super over. Um, they like he did. He did just. He did a snapmare, and the crowd like lost. Like he did like a four fifty. Mm. I was like, "Whoa!" Like he's so over. Um, but <laughs> there's one thing I, I actually just really liked the match. Like it was, again, I you know I said it was a pretty like average show. Like summing up before, but I actually really enjoyed this match. And it's not just me being a mark for the Japanese style slash. No, it's actually it's, a really good like, match. Yeah. But I really enjoyed it. Um, I must say, though, um, Mike today was just stating the bleeding obvious, which I'm sure I'm sure Simon would 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 have picked up on. Um, at one stage, he was like, "Psychosis." His name translates to "psycho." I've got that same note. <laughs> <laughs> no
1: shit, Sherlock. What are you going to tell us next? His opponent's name translates to "dragon." Yeah, we know the today. ultimate dragon. <laughs> that's I why. You're, that. Yeah,
0: that's why you're the professor. <laughs> I'm like, you gotta be kidding. They call him Iron Mike Tanae. Yeah, it's made of lead because he's so dumb. <laughs> so yes, going on you've to this. Turned match. on
1: Tanae as well.
0: <laughs> I'd always turned on him. Good. So let's,
2: <laughs> let's actually get to this match because, like, oh, you mentioned a very good point. The crowd is super over super for Ultimo hot. Dragon. Like, they are absolutely love it. Anyone would think that this is Bruno Sammartino in the garden in 56. That's yeah. how over Ultimo Dragon is. But this is the thing. And, Simon, you can back me up here. The last pay-per-view, no one cared.
1: (laughs) Why was he so over in this match? I think think Ultimo Dragon as a face works really well because we've seen him on some of these pay-per-views. He's been a heel the whole time we've been watching. The crowd will pop for some of his moves. Now they're telling you, cheer this guy, and Ultimo's being even more flashy than usual. The crowd buys 100% into Ultimo Dragon. Like he was killing it in this match. Where you're right, his last one with um, was with Regal. Regal, yeah. That yep. one was a bit slow, and the crowd cheered Regal. Like you don't, know actually, what, you don't know what a WCW crowd is going to think.
2: I actually write down here, uh, crowd is really behind the dragon, so much so that until Tony Schiavone mentioned the crowd was behind dragon, I honestly
1: thought these were piped in chants, <laughs> like
2: because <laughs> they were they were even chanting during the countouts.
1: Everything. Yeah everything he did yeah like owen said a snapmare at one point he does an arm drag and they lose their minds it was cool to watch Um, one note i had though we mentioned it before that you know we're calling him ultimo dragon but on tv at this point he's still ultimate dragon i'm starting to think we've been watching these shows for a year now is this mm. a Mandela effect type thing? Did they ever call him Ultimo Dragon? No, no, or have they we all misremembered
2: this? When? No, they did call him th- That's <laughs> what I can't remember. That's what I can't remember. So by the time, though, we get to the release of WCW NW Revenge, he's Ultimo Dragon in the game.
1: I reckon he's only Ultimo in the game, and because we all played it, we think that was what you they called it. it. You reckon? I don't okay.
0: know. I'm starting I to think he was I... Ultimo now. It's insane. It's... See, being the uh being the all Japan pro wrestling mark that I am, he was definitely Ultimo Dragon in Japan. No, no, of course he
1: my champion. Of course he was, <laughs> but in WCW, I'm now convinced they never called him that officially. <laughs> weird.
2: Because yeah, because towards the tail end of WCW, he leaves, he goes back to Japan. Yeah. Like and then yes. comes back for that little run in W in uh, WWE, uh just yeah. so we could tick the box there. And he's referred to as Ultimo Dragon WWE, and yeah. throughout his run there and but, like yeah, you're right. It could be a Mandela Effect because in the video games, which are made by Japanese developers, we yes. should point out, too, he's called Ultimo Dragon. Maybe we all are. I'm sure he was Ultimo Dragon <laughs> we'll,
1: we'll make note of it when it finally we'll, happens.
2: We'll get to Mayhem 99 and be like,
1: yes, see, I told you. <laughs> and also, was Psychosis's hair ever real? Because we, we know it was a wig later on because we saw him take the mask off with the wig. I was watching his hair in this match. It, this looked
0: like a wig too. I think it's like Liger's. I think it was real mm. for a tiny bit because Liger's hair was real. But then it became part of the mask. But then became part of the mask. Um, yeah, I think it was like uh, kind of like Hoovy's, how it kind of popped out the top for a bit. I mean, Hoovy's still does because he's still got long hair. But yeah. I think and then just yeah, it just became part of the mask, kind of like a mantle mask. Well, yeah, you've this, got long this hair. Is like,
1: oh, and you're the expert. This didn't look like real long hair.
0: Kind of, but not really. Had a nice shine to it. <laughs> no, nah, I mean, it looked it looked very it did, fake cane. It, it looked do, very yeah. fake cane. <laughs> Actually, yeah, it did, it did look very mere cane, didn't it? Um, <laughs> but um, I must say though, um, there was one spot where I genuinely popped over was when um. I was going to say Hoobie when psychosis um, did the moonsault from the corner and then drag and count it with a super kick. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. That's like one of my favorite counters in wrestling. When someone does that, I'm like, this is so cool, but I forgot how good that one was. Um, And at one stage, like um, psychosis did just like a flying shot, like just like a, like a flying shoulder from the top, from the top turnbuckle. And Shivani called it a flying body attack, which I thought was hilarious.
2: Shivani does a lot of those flying leg <laughs> kicks, all of that like like and he'd always likes to put like the obvious followed by a great adjective in front of it. Like, it's just that was just the thing that did. but uh, what did you think though? because there was while these two had a great combination together, like they really did gel, I thought like they were like smooth as butter. but yeah. there was also the little shenanigans from Sonny Ono too, like because what happened was Sonny Ono was the ultimate dragon manager for mm. the entire run, at the last pay-per-view, he sort of... I don't want to say t- he had a face turn because it wasn't really a face turn, was it, some It was just more of a Sunny get the hell away from me sort of turn, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, when you turn on your manager mm. and yeah, then so that kind of works.
2: So by de facto, Ultimate Dragon became face, which is why Sonny Ono um, sort of had all his little shenanigans. I mean, what do you think of that sprinkled into the match here on?
0: Yeah, I... Because at um at Hog Wild, um, he came out with Ultimo, and they were doing mm-hmm. the whole you know Japan number one kind of thing, Japan Ichiban. Yep. Um, but um, I actually didn't mind it because because a lot of the stuff I've watched and like kind of like when I watch episodes along with like when I'm listening back to like your like the show when I'm not on it, um, I was never really super sore on Sonny Ono, but I actually didn't mind it because he was a little bit dialed down in this one. And even like, even like, go like further into the show when he comes back with the Kira Hakoji. It's like I actually didn't mind him in this show because he he did what a what a heel manager is supposed to do, but he didn't do yeah. it too over the top like he has in the past. I was
1: thinking and- a similar thing when I was a kid. I never thought anything of Sonny Ono. I mm-hmm. thought, oh, he's kind of annoying. He's not that good of a manager. Since we started this show, month by month, he's kind of winning me over. I don't mind it. Looking back, yeah. like. It's kind of entertaining. And he does those, you know, like martial arts kicks to the guys when mm. they're on the outside. It's pretty impressive. We don't see it's Paul just- Heyman doing a back leg front <laughs> kick to anyone. Like, of- he,
0: he was a very good junior heavyweight wrestler. So it was always it was it's cool to see him do some like yeah, some of those cool little like those stab kicks that he was doing. So yeah, I actually I liked him. mate. It had a bit of a sloppy finish, but overall, I really enjoyed it.
2: It had a real sports entertainment finish too, because it was just like, I, I absolutely love the ending because it was the age old. The, it's like this, aha, I'll, I'll show you. Oh no, I've kicked my guy. What's happened? <laughs> and the best part too, the best part too. So, um, Sonny Ono accidentally kicks Psychosis in the back of the head uh, as he goes for an Irish whip. Um, and, you know, he's obviously trying to get Dragon, gets Psychosis, does so it. Like, oh, oh no, what have I done? What have I done? Psychosis gets in the dragon sleeper, taps out. Ono tries to. The best part is, Sunny Ono tries to interfere, and the referee's like, Get away from here. (laughs) And then Psychosis taps, which leads to a great line that I loved from Mike today. You can understand that in any language.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I heard heard that. I'm like, Oh, geez.
2: But uh, look, if we're judging the pay-per-view so far, I thought this was a solid opener. And yeah, you poor man, Owen, I, I thought you're probably thinking, you know what, this is a good one. They've got to me. on a, not
0: a great one. Hey, look, I was, yeah, as you said, look, I was excited. I'm like, look, great opener. And then when I saw Chris Benoit using a computer, I'm like, I'm sold. This is a 10 out of 10 pay-per-view. <laughs> <baby> <laughs> like, I'm like, this is the, one of the greatest pay-per-views of all time. Him, yeah. like, like when he was stroking his chin and trying to like really like, you know, like, just really wise in his response to this Mark's question.
2: I've written down it's a WCWWrestling.com segment, which when you think about it, the acronym so it's World Championship Wrestling Wrestling.com. Um <laughs> Always back funny. in the back in the day on needs to be a joke that, like, oh, it's called WCW Wrestling because it's gonna be like different brands like WCW cooking, <laughs> WCW knitting.com, and all that.
1: Oh, what's that? Some now. Old,
2: Old school humor from 1998 internet marks. But um, <laughs> but yeah, so essentially what, what's happening is Chris Benoit is in a WCW segment, WCW.com segment, where he's basically doing an, a Reddit AMA before it was ever a thing. And there is just some jabroni <laughs> typing out the question. And it's the most obvious, like, you know, like, I'm using a computer. <laughs> <laughs> a kid and looked would- 15. Yeah. Oh. I'll tell you how much, like, it's only when you go back and watch this sort of stuff, Simon, because this is very much our vintage too, Owen. Like, this is when we're just sort of first getting the internet, you know. Uh, So, Simon, that would have brought back some great memories of uh, back in the day of early internet usage.
1: Oh, it blew my mind. Like, the first ever websites I saw, like, you know, in primary school when they showed us the internet, like, Mm. There's a WWF website and a WCW one. So yeah, Mm, mm. I might have read this transcript of Chris Benoit's (laughs) great interview.
2: Just to give you a heads up on that one too, Owen. So basically back in the day, there was mainly three websites that everyone used to go to. And that was either a wrestling one NBA.com because that's the because you'd always see NBA.com on everything, and CNN.com because they were the only like sort of mainly publicized website, other than that, and Yahoo, perhaps.
0: <laughs> see, I, I remember when, when I was in primary school, I think it wasn't until you were in like grade two when you were allowed on the internet on the school computers, it was very strange. But also, I'm a lot younger than you guys, so.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's the real time. internet. We didn't have that in grade two, yeah. there was no internet yeah. in grade yeah. two. Yeah.
2: Uh, in grade two we, we were we were fighting over using the Apple II PC just to uh with, I thought within. you guys still use abacuses back then,
0: you
2: know? Oh mate, we had our stone tablets and we enjoyed our <laughs> stone tablets. Uh let's get to the second one. Funnily enough, I remember do you remember Simon using abacuses in primary school? No. The, with the, the coloured ones? You never had those? No. Actually, I did. So, there you go. There you go. It seems like the guy that's way younger than us <laughs> used an abacus as opposed to the guy that is my age. Anyway. It just goes
0: to show the budgets account count primary school.
2: <laughs> well, let's get to our second match, which is Harlem Heat with Sister Sherry and the Steiner brothers. Now... This is something that I, will, I want to see a YouTube 10-hour compilation of the Harlem Heat smack talk as they're walking down to the ring because that always gets a fantastic reaction to me. What did you think, Owen? Uh, you'd know what Scott Steiner looks like in the present day and in his heyday. What would you think of uh, Steiner and Rick Steiner uh, with the little entrance where they just basically look like two creator wrestlers?
0: I actually did write this. I'm like, I was like, I actually read this. I'm like, this doesn't look like Scott Steiner at all. But um, but I must, uh, the first show I did with you guys at Hog Wild it was this match it was mm. Spider Brothers and it was the Harlem Heat and I said it then I'll say it now it's the battle of the best entrance music in WCW mm. so I have a big mark for the Harlem Heat slash Booker T entrance music and spider Spider-Line is the greatest song of all time so but um awesome see I actually really like this match too which is so we're two for two for to start with. Yeah, but um, um, the my main note for this match was this ref looks like they just pulled him from the crowd, beer gut hanging out. And He was wearing Air Maxes. <laughs> what a guy!
2: Yeah, WCW's referees weren't exactly the pinnacle of fitness, as we see later on in the main event. But we'll get to that. When we get to yeah, it? Like, but um,
0: because like, most refs will wear like black shoes. He had the full white Nike stripe up the side. I'm like, this guy's sick. <laughs> <laughs> it,
2: it literally looked like, you know, someone was in the locker room Like, do you have a ref for this, man?
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but, um, yeah, the, the Steiners um, I even mentioned this uh, when we did Slambury Steiner line is super underrated And Simon, did you pick up Tony Schiavone's line Where he referenced Rick Steiner as a very intelligent man?
0: <laughs> yeah, because,
1: they were, you know, Bobby Heenan was trying to do his job And he's saying, oh, you know, Rick Steiner's a bit of a weirdo And, you know, he's kind of crazy And then Tony's like, no, he's a very intelligent man. Don't ruin the gimmick, Tony. Tony Schiavone annoyed me so much on this show. (laughs) Like now I remember why we hated him in this era. Uh, 2021 Tony Schiavone, I love him. He's great on air. I love his podcast. Listened to it for years. He seems like a cool guy. But going back, this is reminding me why I couldn't stand him on these shows. He undercuts Bobby Heenan so often and it just gets annoying. Bobby Heena's trying to make a point and Tony will just be like, nah, that's stupid. It's like, okay, well, why bother then?
2: <laughs> on the topic of Tony Schiavone, make sure you check out uh, the interview that Ned and I did uh, on the Grey Wolf uh, Network and check that out because uh, Tony Schiavone, a very, very cool dude. Um, but I, the thing I love too about this match is I love how the Steiner brothers actually fight like a video game tag team. Like if, you know, they do like the, the tags when you need to, they... they they get the other person that's not a legal man to go take out the other tag team partner. They're such a great tag team, and as Owen mentioned too, these two. It seems like if WCW had a hold to fill, just like oh, we need a good match here. Eh, let's go Harlem Heat and the Steiners. Oh yeah, because, because they would just turn it out. And I thought it was actually a pretty solid match too. That just you forget as well because you remember WCW for like the cruiserweights and the NWO in this era. But these are actually two pretty big, beefy teams that are going up against each other. And they complement each other well. And I don't know about you, Simon, but, like, you forget that there was actually a really good tag division in WCW. I think when you look at some of those teams, you realize that the tag division is Harlem Heat and the Steiners.
1: Yeah, I really like this match, too. Like, the Steiners, Harlem Heat, and then you break it down. Scott Steiner and Booker T have such good chemistry. They're doing all these crazy moves. And again, yeah, they're not small guys. But we've got Harlem Heat. We've got the Steiners. We've got Lex Luger and the Giant, who are super over. The mm. Outsiders, the Faces of Fear. It's a really good tag division in this era. The one bad spot, of course, is Public Enemy, who we'll get to later. But if, we're looking, two, if we're looking at these <laughs> two teams, this match was awesome. And again, great start to the pay-per-view. I thought we're on to a good one. We've picked Owen a good show to watch. This is going great. <laughs> But at one point in this match where it starts to fall apart, Scott Steiner, who's an athletic freak, I never realized, though, this man has no, he's either got no air on his jumps or he's afraid of heights because he jumps off the second rope to try and hit Booker and probably gets like three inches off the ground. Like it is (laughs) pathetic. And then Vincent runs out and it just gets even worse from there.
0: Yeah, I just wrote Vincent doing Vincent things. Yeah. But um, I tell you what, though, Harlem Heat always have the coolest gear.
1: Oh, mm. so good!
0: Like their gear is like so sick, and I feel like a lot of like a lot of tag teams and even though tag team wrestling's dead in current in current day wrestling, they should take a look at Harlem Heat and look how you get really good tag team gear because and- they had the best. S gear. And Sherry had matching gear too. Yep. They were oh, cool. all
1: matching, all in gold. And actually Ultimo Dragon was in gold too. So we had like this great golden start to the show.
0: It was like that SummerSlam in 2015 when everyone was wearing white gear <laughs> yeah. and everyone yes. who won a championship was wearing white gear. It was like, oh, it's a faction.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Where Seth had the white Power Ranger gear. <laughs>
0: yeah. That was and very, And New very Day cool. were wearing white and Becky Lynch was wearing white. Everyone was wearing white.
2: It was, it was very cool there. But, like, you, you missed a very important, um. I think, before we, we get to the, the Vincent run-in, the Frankensteiner before Vincent came <laughs> for the DQ. Like, it's funny because Scott Steiner can still do that to this day, which which absolutely boggles my mind that he can still do it. It's crazy. But, yeah, Vincent does Vincent things is the best way to sum <laughs> this up because that is all Vincent did back in the and the NWO. And, I mean, like, now you've seen a couple of WCW papers that we've made you watch have you seen yeah. him do anything aside from just rub his hands like this and come out with uh, the NWO maybe point at the crowd and be like
0: that's right I'm part of this the way he licks his lips looks it's like he always has cotton mouth like <laughs> it's like it's like, should you go see a doctor about that? Or do you need like, have a drink or like electrolytes or something? <laughs> like,
2: Yeah, it was very much a, a Vincent thing back in the day. A fun fact, which we will get to, but while we're still talking about Vincent, because I feel like his limited airtime will be extremely limited as we get through. So later on in later WCW, so he's called Vincent, obviously, as a play on the words of Vince McMahon, because when he was in WWE or WWF as Virgil, Virgil, a play on Dusty Rhodes' Um, real name. He's, he's a civilian name, as they like to say. When Russo comes in, Vincent gets rechristened again and he gets rechristened to Shane.
1: <laughs> Do you remember Shane, Simon? You know, it's weird. I know, like, I've read that quite a bit, but I'll be honest, I must have stopped listening to commentary by that point because I don't remember <laughs> hearing that his name was Shane at that point.
2: The only time you would remember that is because he had very limited screen time because it was when the Harris brothers were creative control and would just stand there as Vince Russo was off camera doing like the the Dr. Claw sort of thing where you couldn't see his face. So, yeah, that's going to be fun when we get to those 99, uh, 1999 episodes of Hold WCW. Hold on. Did they
1: also change his name because Vince Russo was an on-air character and you couldn't have Vince and Vincent?
2: Well, he was just the powers that be. He wasn't Vince Russo yet. By the time he was, he came out as Vince Russo with, with as part of R and B Security. That's right. Russo and Bischoff Security was called R and B Security, which is great. Uh yeah. Oh man, I tell you what, we've got we've got a real. <laughs> tell you what, Owen? If you reckon that this. These pay-per-views are a bit of a stretch to get through. Wait till we give you Mayhem 99 or New Blood Rising 2000.
0: But, I'm um- going to have to come on as a permanent member at that stage because I've watched some, like, back in, like, la- like this time last year, me and my mates were watching, um, we'd call it um, Shit WCW Saturday Nights and watched 2000 WCW pay-per-views. <laughs> and, oh, my God. It was it? I think it was Bash of the Beach 2000. That was a time.
2: Oh, yeah, it, it definitely was. Uh, there's actually a great episode of uh, Jeff Jarrett's My World where he talks about that, which is a really, really good listen if you've got to spare seven hours to get through it. But um, let's get to the next match, which is the Dungeon of Doom explodes. As you mentioned, Simon, we are two from two at the moment. We are going down <laughs> like that two from that. There's peaks and troughs. We're about to hit a trough here because it's Hugh Morris versus Conan. You thought Macho Man versus Hogan at WrestleMania was a big thing. This is even bigger. As Dusty called it, this is a hostile situation. Conan Conan is coming. And this is the thing, this is something that has since 1999, one of my mates pointed this out to me and I could never unsee it. So now I want to gift this to you guys and to anyone that's listening. Conan has the same stature as George Costanza. Like, if you notice, his build is very similar to to George Costanza. And I tell you what, this match is just a crowd killer.
1: This might have been the worst match we've seen in a year on this show, WWF or WCW. This was slow motion. This was one of the absolute worst matches I've ever seen. Hugh Morris was not great on air and every story we hear of him as a person, he sounds even worse out of the way. I room. was going to
0: say, he's a garbage person. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah,
1: and Conan, I, I'll always defend Conan. I think he's a great, like, character and, and talker, but we're not seeing him be a character of talk here. We're seeing him do the one part of wrestling that he wasn't great at, and that's wrestling. One minute, <laughs> into, this, <laughs> one minute into this match, Conan said, Orale and Arriba La Raza seven times. Between his entrance and the bell ringing, that's all he did. It was like someone just pressing the taunt button nonstop in in the game. In revenge. Yeah, it was like, can you (laughs) stop it? I know he's trying to get his finisher up because he has no stamina stats, but it's like, (laughs) all right, you're pushing it. God, I hated this so much. uh,
0: uh, there There was a point, and it was about six minutes into this match, brain goes, they're exhausted. Dude, they've <laughs> they've had a heck of a match, and I've just written no. They're just sloppy yeah. dudes. Yeah, he yeah. had to cover it sometime.
1: He was like, "Oh, that's, they're so worn out."
2: Yes, that's the other line that stood out for me. These are big men that are drained. They are <laughs> drained. And the other line, the other the other line that really stood out for me too is like that. As Owen mentioned, they are just going, you know, well, they're two big dudes, and you know, big dudes don't have enough juice in the tank, and you're like. When all three of your commentators are there going, <laughs> boys, you need to go home. You need to literally go home here.
1: Now, this, now, this felt is- like, you know, the way they were moving and doing like arm wrist locks and all that, it felt like the type of slow fake wrestling you'd do at home with like your friends just to muck around. Like, mm. now I've got you in an arm ringer. Oh, now you've done a go behind.
0: Like, it was the fakest. Match so ever it seen.
2: Was slow and plodding. It was in. He was in slow motion.
0: I like how and- the crowd cheered because the match finished.
2: <laughs>
1: That's all they yeah. were cheering.
2: Oh, the other one <laughs> that got written down too. I, I, I think it was Bobby Hain that said it. This has gone so long. Both men are gassed. <laughs> so, so Hugh Morris uh, gets up to the top rope. He's prepping for no laughing matter. And I don't know if you notice this, but but. He almost had that moment that Rico did in Survivor Series 2002, where Rico's waiting for Jeff Hardy to do a move to, to, you know, knock him off the top rope. And he actually turns around and audibly goes, Come on, Jeff, God damn it. So Hugh Morris is at the top rope. He's prepping No Laughing Matter, which is a pretty impressive moonsault for a guy this size. Conan sort of sits up a little bit, looks at him, gets back down again, like, Oh, he's like, No, no, wait, I was meant to do that. Gets (laughs) up. And then knocks him off the top rope. It's almost like, and then puts him in the tequila sunrise for the win.
0: The sloppiest of endings. It was so good. It was. It's like I was watching an episode of Botchamania, but it was one entire match. (laughs)
2: Yeah, and like, and this is the thing too. Like, say, and Simon, we saw the seeds of this feud were a month ago. This is the blow-off match.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and, and this is all they could deliver. And also, anyone who's listening to this who's not going to watch this match is probably thinking, and "I oh. always
2: suggest don't." <laughs> <laughs>
1: but you're probably that's, what, that's that's what the skip feature on the network's for mm. now for mm. this match. But you would think the way we're discussing it too. Oh, they got tired. It was really long. The commentators were saying how drained they were. Must have been longer than it should have. This match only went 10 minutes and 30 seconds. And my like God, 40. <laughs> it was an Iron Man match in 10 minutes. It was not good.
2: Yeah, so a horrible, horrible match. We'll quickly get to the next segment because uh, we don't want to give it too much time because WCW gave it a bit too much. Me and Gene got the full video wall for his uh, hotline plug. Like the full screen Titan Tron behind him had the one number up. Public enemy yeah. can- Public Enemy yeah. comes out for the promo.
0: Can I say something really, really quick about the uh, hotline? Um, hmm. I cr- I crunched some numbers as the stats man that I am. Um, so a dollar fifty nine per minute USD in nineteen ninety seven would be two dollars seventy the uh, in current two dollars seventy US currently, which is three dollars seventy Australian per mm-hmm. minute. Wow! Yeah.
2: And didn't you have an interesting fact about Mean Gin getting a cut of that, Simon?
1: Yeah, it, this was his business. He would get a percentage. So Mean Gene was rolling in the money from this uh, hotline business. And also, he teased in this segment, he said a man yeah. may be showing up tomorrow in Chicago who's been having issues with his current organization. And it was almost like, oh, my God, Sam Punk's going to WCW. <laughs> <laughs> you made me to it. <laughs> but yeah. but then, then I actually did some research, though. Nobody shows up on Nitro the next night.
2: Yeah. This yeah, was an empty tease. And, and this is something that he he mentions, like, you know, they're very disgruntled with their organization, which means I can't say anything about it. But uh, The,
1: the yeah. closest I could find is that this is only a couple of weeks later when after Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart got into their famous backstage fight. So I think Mean Gene was hooking people saying, oh, Shawn Michaels is upset. With WWE and he's going to jump to WCW. That's some or false advertising there. It's
2: it's it's he's the he's the master of saying a lot but saying nothing at the same time. To Gene. <laughs> speaking of saying a lot and saying nothing, Public Enemy then come out, and I do not know what he's going. To, all I could say is I've written down here: Fly by Rocco Rock and Johnny Grunge do the most rambling promo like two drunks at a bus stop that talk to you. <laughs> that is what it was because like. The, the, they bring out a table, all three of them. So Gene, Flyboy Rock, uh, Flyboy Rocco Rock, and Johnny Grunge
0: all sit on the table, and I, I don't even know what the hell this was. The only good thing about this promo was a line that Gene said because that because the because they were going all crazy and yelling and public enemy yelling and screaming. And then Gene just goes, Don't need to wet, don't, there's no need to wet your pants over it. <laughs> I lost it. <laughs> I lost it so much. And that was the only good thing about that promo.
1: Oh, no, no. The yeah. other good thing was just before Gene brought them out, he's like, All right, everybody, get your hands up. And mean Gene did the like, he says, Gene did the little thing. Yeah. The hand that. Swing.
0: that was good. Well, and then they, they got the Oscar music playoff. They started wrapping them up and do the Oscar like, like how they do in the Oscars. That popped me good too.
2: One last little thing before we get to the next match, but um, did you see when they ch- jumped into the crowd to go dance with the people? That I think it was jo- it was either Johnny Grono, Rocco Rock pushes a kid out the way of the barricade.
1: <laughs> I didn't notice that.
2: So in the corner, <laughs> like there is a child. It's there, like you know, yeah, probably gonna be Eddie. Just
1: shoves him out of the side. <laughs> to let <him> jump in. <laughs>
2: So it, it was just like, I know that you need time to fill it up for you, but, jeez, this was not the way to go, and but, yeah.
1: Johnny Grunge did his catchphrase twice, and the formula for the Johnny Grunge catchphrase is to just say, "ladi Daddy, say any words you want in between, and then say, we want to party. He did this yeah. twice. None of it rhymed. He just said, lardy dadi." I'm drinking a can of Coke. Here's my mobile phone. It's time to party. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, yeah. cool.
2: And, and Gene was very much like... You could see Gene Oakland's face just like, this is not going well. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. So with the public enemy behind us, then we get to another absolute stellar match. We've just had two bangers to start off the pay-per-view. A bit, of a, a bit of a crowd killer in the Dungeon of Doom explodes. Public enemy try to rope us back in with a rambling, incoherent promo. And right now it is Wrath versus Glacier, what I like to call on... <laughs> The mortal combat fight, which is always Wrath is basically reptile, Glacier is is um is sub-zero and wrath yeah. gets a special red font on his nameplate too.
0: <laughs> I must say Mike Tanay just really not doing much for himself to try and win points over the Simon myself. But when he goes, we call Wrath James Vandenberg and Mortis the Trier of Terror. ooh, spooky. <laughs> I was, look, I was clutching at my pearls. I was terrified.
1: Tanae also said that Glacier was uh, an expert in karate. And I was like, I hate you so much. Don't say karate. <laughs> I,
0: was, well, just- I must say I'm a big mark for the fact that that helmet was passed down from a 700-year tradition. Like,
1: I was all over this match. I think that was the first explanation. I, I wrote that note too. I didn't realise it was all about the stolen 100-year-old <laughs> helmet of Glacier.
0: 700 year.
2: No, they have brought it up previously uh, because I was just like, this is the stupidest backstory ever. You've literally got a guy that, like, Goldberg used to play football for the Atlanta Falcons. Then you've got Glacier was trained by ancient monks from the (laughs) Lynn Clay. You're just like, oh my God. (laughs) The best part, too, Tony Schiavone, as Glacier comes out, goes, Glacier is undefeated in WCW, but not unbeaten. And you're just like,
0: (laughs) I heard that too. (laughs) Like,
2: what? (laughs) <laughs> and uh, and this is another one too. You'll notice too, Owen, oh, because the last time you saw this referee, Nick Patrick, he was an NWO. He was just yes. back turn and joined the NWO. He's back to a normal ref.
0: Okay, yeah, I, I found that interesting, especially in the main event. Um, but you know, here's something I just found really quick. Brian Clark, who was Wrath. Mm-hmm. Here we go, shoot names and stuff. He was an All Japan Progressing Tag Team Champion with Brian Adams in 2002. So the Kiss Demon and Wrath were tag team champions in one of the greatest Japanese wrestling promotions of all time. So that would have been... And they, they beat K. G. Muto for the titles as well. So, so that that's where we had to
1: After they got fired from WWE from having one of the worst matches ever with The Undertaker and Kane, somehow <laughs> they were hired by All Japan and became tag champs. Wow.
0: Yes. And beat the great Muto at it at the same time.
1: Well, let's not forget
2: too, 2002 Japanese wrestling was rather strange because I remember the Outsiders even had a run in uh, all Japan, I think it was too. No, it, was in you, zero,
0: it was in, it was zero, in one. zero one. It was in zero one. Yeah. Go, yeah.
2: But um, yeah, that was essentially because, like, well, we have no work here. So uh, <laughs> let's. And uh, it looks like Mr. Dainty doesn't have enough money to do more shows in Australia. So better go to Japan. Uh, but yeah, with this match, this is what I like. I, I make a lot of comparisons to Mortal Kombat when I talk about Glacier and Mortis and Wrath. We should also point out, too, Mortis, aka Canyon, is handcuffed to the ring to to know, keep him out of the match but this is very much like a match. i've put this down this is where my mortal combat comparisons extend a little bit because this match is at the pace of when you're playing a game of mortal combat but you have to pause check the move list then unpause and go back and do a move because this was so slow and plotting and the crowd is dead i mean simon we just saw we saw they don't have to be behind the performance. We saw that with, with Stephen Regal and, and um, Ultimo Dragon. We saw that with Prince IK matches that, like, just because they don't, like, as long as there's something happening, the crowd will get into it a little bit. But the crowd is just flatlined here.
1: Well, I think, like, we've seen with this story in particular, when it was Glacier and Mortis, they were going out there and having these weird hybrid kind of karate fighting matches that were at least exciting and short, and there were kicks, and the crowd would be into it. Wrath couldn't do that at all. This mm. was so slow, like you said. And there were some bright spots every time they'd get up and like do a spin kick, it was okay. But yeah, mm. it went back to headlock so often. And you're right, someone was looking through the booklet, <laughs> trying to memorize how to press down forward punch or whatever. Yeah. One interesting bit of commentary, too, though, Mike Tanay gave us Mortis's backstory. He oh, yeah. wasn't like a monster or like some voodoo guy. He said Mortis was a former pro wrestler who was suspended because he was so violent that he went to do pit fighting in Southeast Asia. Then James Vandenberg found him and made him a pro wrestler again because nobody in Southeast Asia could beat him in a pit fight.
2: Oh, geez. Oh, my isn't, now,
0: isn't James Vandenberg, isn't that the sinister minister?
1: Yeah, it's James Mitchell as well. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, oh, I must God. say, my my one main. I have another two more main. Um, more main main notes for this one. Um, at one point, Mike Tanae says, "We've seen some nonchalant covers before, but that's an all-timer." <laughs> um, when I think Mortis was covered, so when Wrath uh, was covering Glacier. Um, so apparently they keep a record of all time worst pin covers. <laughs> um, and then Mike Tanay replacing Dream on commentary. Dream and I share the same thoughts. I don't want to sit through this match either. Mm. <laughs>
2: yeah, look, this is just a. There was a nice superplex by Glacier. I will give him that. But aside yeah. from that, um, he gets he gets the win via chain where – The the AGL chicanery. I just love it. <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> The, the two things that, that that stood out in this match that made me just have a little chuckle was um, uh, James Vandenberg. I was about to say James Vanderbeek um, <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't want to win.
2: Yeah, so Dawson goes uh, to Nick Patrick's pocket <laughs> and tries to take and steals the keys so he can unlock Mortis. But in that time that he's doing it, uh, Mortis has got a chain which looks like it's just like a necklace basically it didn't look too heavy duty for a chain it wasn't like the Bully race sort of thing that you'd see right around his neck all those times in Ring of Honor so he pegged the chain but it did the oh no it's going over Rat's head on oh, glaciers, caught it. Glaciers used the chain. Knocks out. Threw, um,
0: he threw yeah. it over the Chicago River. He gave that a massive hike.
1: Yeah. Went, don't, don't say glacier caught it. He didn't. It went over his head, <laughs> and then he had to awkwardly go like fumble and pick it up off the off the mat.
2: <laughs> yeah. So he it, so eventually he used the chain, gets the win, and thus this match is done and dusted. However, Wrath and Mortis then completely dismantle Glacier in the corner. In a hellacious beating that everyone was pretty indifferent to. <laughs> my,
0: my last note for this match was, how did this segment get 20 minutes? Oh, it. <laughs> it Glacier forever. Just,
2: Glacier was, I don't know. Like, everyone just like, remember, Mortal Kombat was a big thing back in the day. And Glacier was really much riding that wave. Like, it's funny now because, like, Simon, do you feel like there's a weird odd nostalgia and retro and a fair bit of retconning about like Glacier was really, really good.
1: Yeah, we're getting a lot of that. And I think Cody Rhodes has been part of this too. You know, he had Glacier walk into the ring at the original all in, or all out, whatever it was called back then. And yeah, there's been some rewriting of history. Like Glacier was really cool and looked kind of entertaining looking back on it, but this match was garbage. Not yeah. not a, not an example of this being good. I think this match, though, I want to point out, um, this was the match in the show where on the replays up to this point they would do a star wipe because it was a great American bash, fireworks and stars. Mm. When they would do the star wipe, they would do a firework sound effect and it was super loud and super annoying. It would go, wee. I think this match yeah. oh, they stopped is that doing that what that it. was? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so but at one point, produ- someone was like, Can you turn that down? And the director just yeah. gave up on it.
2: In the production truck,
1: someone's like, No, no, we really don't <laughs> we need to do, do this that anymore. Every replay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so look, there's that match done on Dustin. And then we get to a rather an oddity in uh early 90s or late 90s WCW, and that was a women's match. Now we've seen a few of these in the past, and oh, and you saw uh, it's it's essentially medusa versus a japanese female that's generally what happens and this is a yeah. title versus career match akira hotoko uh, Hoto, oh, i that up there um what's what's the what's last akira name akira hokuto hokuto Hok- that's it hokuto, yeah yeah akira hokuto um versus medusa this is a title versus career match and <laughs> understatement of the year tony shivani with a big home court advantage for medusa <laughs> <laughs> now this goes to show you too just how far women's wrestling has come, and it's kind of unfair to judge it. But we're so used to seeing what women can do on like a big stage now that going back and watching a match like this is really, really substandard because there's the hair pulling and it's it's a mid '90s women's match. But I, I were you shocked at this one? Because we well, clearly we know that Medusa went on to have a rather large and still decorated career. Now, I mean, WWE Hall of Famer you know, a legend still to this day, but when a legend, you
0: saw, a legend, monster truck racer. Yes. Well, there you go. But <laughs> So
2: Owen, when you see title versus career and the two people that are in the ring, it's safe to assume that Medusa is winning this, right?
0: Look, I'm not going to lie. I actually legit popped for the finish. <laughs> like, I'm like, Oh shit. Like I actually legit popped for the finish. Cause <laughs> like, Me being me, I like, which is funny because, like, you you thought me being me, I would have connected the dots. I knew like Hukotu didn't retire till 2002. (laughs) Like, Mm. I'm like, oh, yeah. But then, like, yeah, I legit popped for the finish. I'm like, oh, okay, that happened. Mm. But, um, yeah, I I did the storytelling in the match was brilliant. I actually didn't mind
2: this match. It was, actually, it was actually one of the better women's matches that we sort of see too because it had a little bit more substance to it. Because, Simon, until until now, what has the storyline been aside from Medusa versus non-American female?
1: Yeah, I think they put all their eggs in the Medusa basket. Every match we've seen on pay-per-view with women has been Medusa versus someone. Last month, we saw her and Luna Bichon have an okay match. But again, it, it wasn't for anything. I thought this might have been the best women's match we've seen. I kind of liked it. It wasn't perfect. It did start with hair pulling. And like we've mentioned, like the last match, this sort of had one foot in modern women's wrestling, but also Mm. still remnants of the fabulous Moolah slapping in hair mares in the match. Like, this was weird. And you're right, Owen, this was, like, good storytelling with Medusa's knee injury, but they made it look too real for the crowd because... Medusa didn't get her leg injured by Akira. She injured her knee doing, like, a double axe handle from the top rope and then sold it the rest of the match. I don't know if the crowd knew that, like, this is part of the story, cheer for Medusa to come back. Like, yeah, it was kind of cool, but maybe ahead of its time in a weird way. Mm. I must say, though, Lee Marshall, what a voice. Mm. (laughs) really good in this match too. I made fun yeah. of him the first time we saw him. I was like, ooh, Lee Marshall is the women's Mike tonight. He was dropping stats on every champion Medusa's beat. He told us who trained Akira Hokuto and who she's married to and who trained Medusa, and he knows their finishing moves. Lee Marshall is pretty damn good.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was really, really impressed. Um, Yeah, I- just the whole match, yeah. Like the commentary was great, and the storytelling was really good. And um Sunny Ono didn't really get too involved either. Like they really kind of like, like you could tell, you know, because it was her retirement match. They really just made it focus on the wrestling.
2: Yeah, uh, and and really did catch everyone off guard because when when you think, okay, oh, this is the best way to get uh, Akira Hokuto. Um, the, the, the belt offer because, yep, Medusa finally gets a moment. They're not going to retire her, but you're right. And it did get to the point where, so when Medusa wins, sorry, loses, Mean Gene comes out with the post match and he is just being, it's <laughs> the most jerky I've ever seen Mean Gene be because to the point where the crowd is even chanting, and this backs up your, um, Little theory there's some the crowd got too invested into Medusa's injury because the crowd is chanting at Mean Gene to leave her alone.
1: Yeah, because Mean Gene has no chill here. Like Medusa is getting carted off, and he's like, Well, Medusa, your career's over. What do you have to say? And then what about your knee? From- yeah, <laughs> what about your knee? Know, and they're like, Leave her alone. And he's asking, yeah. What are you going to do now
0: that you're retired? Like, Hey, she just lost. Well, <laughs> oh, what I love, he, he goes, like the way he threw back to Shivani, um, he's like, "There you go, her career is toast." <laughs> Just mean,
1: it, yeah. He's
2: he really, really emphasised the mean and mean gene. <laughs> yeah, that's the one part that we're at to do that. So after the, and and someone else is also quite savage there too. Bobby the brain, he did like some of the covers. Like, well, now she could be a, like she could be a flight attendant or something. Yeah. <laughs>
0: hostess, I'm like, oh god.
1: And he He says something like, "Oh, if her knee's injured, he's like, well, I guess she won't be standing in the unemployment line." And I think he (laughs) was so happy with that, he started laughing. And he didn't break much on air. I thought that was funny.
2: (laughs) But it's also it also led to my next best favorite thing of uh, '90s WCW: the disgusted Tony Schiavone. It almost it it because it tries to channel the old. Bobby the Brain Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon. Will you stop kind of thing, but it just goes so far to where it's just like Tony's voting, just like, that's just downright offensive. How dare you got to think? But um, we get to our next match, which is Chris Benoit versus Meng. This is a death match as well, which is ironic considering the fact the last time they fought, it was a death match and both men are clearly alive. No, this uh, was
1: a, officially a return death match. It even said it on oh, the graphic. Ret- Return death match.
0: That's different there. Right. <laughs> now, my first note is: Does this th- is this pay per view have pretty much the same matches as the two previous ones? <laughs> <laughs> like this is very 2015 WWE.
2: Hmm. Yeah, it, it's um. So this was a, a weird sort of blood feud because, like, just to catch people up, Meng uh, and Benoit had their death match at Slambury, where Meng won by putting the Tongan death grip on Chris Benoit. And it was a stiff as hell match, uh, as you would expect with Benoit and Meng in there. But, um, and Chris Benoit actually passed out due to the Tongan death grips, which was kind of cool to see. Uh, meanwhile, in this match, like Meng doesn't even make it to the ring as Benoit just leaps straight into it. So it's it's action from the get-go. Like, there's a diving headbutt within the first two minutes, for crying out loud. Like, And Benoit is all over Ming here. And Simon, you saw the Slamboree match literally uh, last month. Did it seem like this was this match amped up to, like, 500?
1: I don't know. See, I liked the last one. I was more um, forgiving of their last match, and I enjoyed it. This one I didn't like. I don't know why. Really? It's, yeah, I don't know. It started hot with the suicide dive to the headbutt to the cross face. After that, I don't know. I just zoned out. I was like, yeah, I don't get what's happening now. <laughs> I don't
0: know. Yeah, I really, this was surprising because I'm, look, I know it's kind of illegal these days, but I'm a big Benoit Mark and I really didn't like this match at all. Mm, like, okay. I just, it was, look, last man standing matches are, I, one of like my least favourite uh-uh. situations. Return, Return, Return death
1: match. Return death match.
0: Difference. Not a laugh.
2: <laughs> yeah, because there are um, rope breaks. Remember.
0: <laughs> true, but like those type of matches, I just I just don't like them because they're always so slow. And this was very slow, and it was just a bit. Yeah, I just it had nothing you know, apart from yeah, it's apart from like the hot, the, apart from like the um the hot open, like it was just a bit, man. Yeah. <laughs> like see, the I, one, I reckon no, go on going no. like I say the one thing that I did enjoy was when Meng was going up to the top rope and Dusty goes that's a lot of man going up to the top rope
2: <laughs> see I I, um, I sort of I like this one better than Slamboree I just thought this was a little bit more intense because he had the backstory of their last match at Slamboree Ben was amped it up a t- like he kicked it up a notch definitely and the ending was fantastic with Meng doing the stretcher job because it sort of in the same comparison to how Chris Benoit was pretty much passed out due to the power of the Tongan death grip, we saw Meng have to do a stretcher job because of the crossface. So I thought that part was pretty cool. Then they um,
0: dropped the stretcher he was on.
2: <laughs> yes. It, we'll, get, we'll, we'll get to that bit because then it goes to a Mean Gene. Uh, he, so it goes thrown back to Mean Gene on the stage and <laughs> he legitimately gets shocked because, oh my God, they just dropped Meng on the stretcher. And the, the camera goes... To the stretcher where Meng is sprawled in the ground after the paramedics go and drop him. I mean, sh- surely that wasn't part of the plan, was it, Simon?
1: <laughs> that felt like Mean Gene ad-libbing, ad-libbing, which Mean Gene would do, I guess, because they dropped Meng off the stage and off the stretcher and people was like, oh, my God, they dropped him. They probably cut <laughs> to it because poor Meng just looked so helpless. Like, yeah, passed out, fell off the stretcher, just, you know, you, and you he's imagine, gonna sell it too. Yeah, he had to sell it. You imagine next they load him into the ambulance and they don't close the door properly, and he like rolls out of the back,
2: <laughs> it rolls out and then falls down a gorge.
1: Call <laughs> the hotline for more info on where Meng is, <laughs> yeah,
2: but yeah, Meng goes back to the uh to the to the like, without missing a bit. Like he's clearly missed a bit. That he sort of remembers, hang on, I gotta get my dollars in. Goes back to plug the hotline where he says, Who will debut tomorrow? And um then there's an ad for Bash of the Beach, which um which advertises Rodman and Hogan versus Luger and the Giant, which will just give you an idea of how hot WCW is becoming at this time. But then we get to the next match, which is Mongo versus Kevin Green. Oof. Now Kevin Green gets another uh another dance card here, Simon, because we saw because he really starred and actually stood out quite well in the last paper at Slambury.
1: Kevin Green was so good in that main event. That main event was amazing. Can't say anything bad about it. But Mongo last month wrestled another football player, Reggie someone.
2: Reggie, uh, anyway. Carry on. I'll, I'll find it.
1: <laughs> anyway, Mongo and Reggie had a match and someone thought, oh, that was so good. Let's give Mongo another football player. Like we've got a football division.
2: Reggie White
1: Reggie White Reggie White, Kevin Green next month he'll be wrestling Steve Blue and Johnny Red and anyway, Mongo's fighting all the football colors there
2: all the primary colors he's getting through. then he goes up to the tertiary colors, <laughs> the secondary colors
1: and then're then we're going to have
2: Kevin Green team up with uh, with, uh, with white to have the team of light green.
1: <laughs> Green and white, <laughs> the green football theme. Anyway, this one was not not great. The the only highlight, like we we can't really talk about the match. It was two guys in shorts who aren't great wrestlers, but Kevin Green's family was in the front row, like, and yes. Kevin Green's mum hits Mongo in the head with her purse. That was the best part of the match.
2: All I could think of. I don't know about you, Owen. I don't know what you know about um, Mongo's full illustrious career. Uh, he's actually gone through a rough trial at the moment, so uh, I'll try to remain a little bit respectful. But um, in watching this match, who at at some point in time did you just think, "What the hell is going on here?" Like but these are these are these are two non wrestlers in a wrestling match.
0: Yeah, this match was a struggle to watch. Although I must say, um, Kevin Green, that sling that slingshot drop kick ring entrance he made was incredible, <laughs> and just launched himself at Mongo, kicked him square in the chin. Hmm. Um but yeah, apart from that, it was pretty, pretty struggling to watch. Um, although Dusty does go, um um green does like the 10 punch count in the corner, and then Dusty goes, You can hurt that head. You it's like you can't hurt that head, you'd have to use a hit him with a brick or something i a pop of that. So <laughs> just Dusty saying dumb shit.
2: Speaking of which, Jeff Jarrett then comes out towards the end and interferes by smacking Mongo in the head with a briefcase. Accidentally, but it just looked the most telegraphed. Like he might as well run as he's running
1: out to the um, to the ring. Just go, quick, move him in the way. Move him in the (laughs) the (laughs) way. (laughs) Poor Uh, Jeff Jarrett and Mongo. Every single finish to every single pay per view match is briefcase to the head, whichever guy Mm -hmm. is in the match. We got to
0: stop doing it. Yeah, free money. They invent some money in the bank.
2: (laughs) Well, it's the million dollar Halliburton. Remember. So, yeah, Kevin Green gets the win. Uh, thankfully, this match is done and dusted. Hopefully, Kevin Green's not back, but I can't remember what happened to Bash of the Beach to of the main event. Well, we'll get to that. We then cross quickly to Medusa in the back. She's still in pain. And back to the back. <laughs> it's the most pointless cross backstage. Yeah. Like, what? Did I miss anything? Like, literally, it was just like, mm, Medusa, still retired.
1: <laughs> We needed mean team there just to ask her more inappropriate questions. What's he your husband so going to think now that you can't make money? Just So, are you moving to
0: Florida because you're retired? Yeah,
2: yeah it was just like the weirdest backstage cut. But look, it's one of those things every company does it. Just the weird sort of uh, cross backstage, just, just for those playing at home. Uh, we then get to the meat and potatoes of uh, this pay-per-view where... We had two matches at the start that really started off. We're getting to the last two matches here. We got the OG NWO Wolfpack versus Ric Flair and uh, Piper. Sorry, I'll correct myself here. You had the Outsiders and Six. So it's not a three-man, um, just the Outsiders taking on Ric Flair and Rowdy Roddy Piper. Now, I don't know about you, and I, I'm i a massive Scott Hall fan. I've That's well-documented. But 97 Hall and Nash are just something else completely. They've got Ooh, their working yeah. boots on. Now, Owen, when you see, like, you've seen a lot of later Nash and even today Nash uh, yeah. and and um Scott Hall. When they're in their physical peak and prime, they're just two completely different. It's like, watch, it's chalk and cheese, isn't
0: it? It's just, it's one of my favorite times of wrestling. Just two big beefy boys just... Oozing with confidence and character, and just being the crap out of people. Um, Yeah, I, I love this match. Although Simon, I do want to steal your segment. Let's play the age game. <laughs> because uh, how old? How old was Fla- were Flair and Piper in
1: this match? I looked this up while I was watching the pay per view because I uh, thought it was interesting. Uh, but but go go ahead. I can't remember. I know they're both in their forties, which I thought was so,
0: interesting. Flair was 48 and Piper was 43. Yeah. And then Hall and Nash, they were 38 and 37.
1: And that's interesting because there's a lot said about, you know, back in this era that WCW had all these old guys. Now in the current times, if we compare that to AEW, AEW is building a roster around guys the exact same age. Kenny Omega is in his late 30s. CM Punk and Daniel Bryan will both be in their early 40s. They will be virtually the same age as Rowdy Roddy Piper, who we used to make jokes about at this time that he should be in a wheelchair. So just remember, wrestlers in their 40s still have a lot to offer. We saw it back here. Looking back at it, this was legit one of the best matches on the show and the crowd were losing their minds. So, hey, don't write out the old men just yet.
0: Hey, look, Christian Cage is forty-seven. So
1: oh, there you go. He's Ric he's Flair's Flair age, age baby.
2: <laughs> still the instant classic, too. I should point out. But um, hey, look, this is actually a really, really cool match. The Outsiders and Ric Flair is just solid gold. Piper can still bring it too, and he's got that grizzled vet sort of um way of fighting here as well. We then also well, get-
0: Flair was wearing black trunks too, which is very rare
2: for him. This is actually, uh, yeah, because it, it, the baby boy's gone. He didn't even have the RF on the... um. No, they had, uh, they had a little bit
0: of orange trimming on him.
2: That was it. Yeah. Um, and then Six gets involved, that dastardly Six, and he and Flair <laughs> didn't have this massive brawl, much to the joy of, um, of the, the crowd there at uh, the Quad Cities. And then they brawl to the back, and Flair never comes back.
1: I think they explain this on Nitro the next night. I'm hoping they do. We assume that the NWO jumped Flair when he got backstage.
2: Yeah, yeah. Because
1: he never comes back. He just vanishes.
2: Well, you want to cut backstage to Medusa just being <laughs> injured, just do a quick cutaway to Flair being jumped by the NWO. Have yeah. hell, Just have
0: Vincent take him out from behind, like whatever. But, um, um, yeah. I must say, speaking of NWO, did you guys notice he – he was, in, he was in the whole show, but definitely in, the, in this match here, there was a kid in like a fedora pork pie hat who was wearing an NWO shirt He was sitting on the hard cam side. And every time something big happened, he'd turn around, face the camera, and scream at the camera. He was
1: like the Mortal Kombat toasty guy. He would just pop out <laughs> right in front of you and just be like, oh, no, there he is. I noticed <laughs> he annoyed he, the hell out of me. <laughs> he looked superimposed as well, like he came from the future and edited this paper. <laughs> edited back in. <laughs> it was
0: Marty McFly. It was. Yeah.
2: And uh, in, at that right point in time when he appears on screen, if, if, um, if Scott Hall did the races edge at the perfect time, everyone teleports to the outworld and then they take on smoke. <laughs> but, uh, but look, let's not undersell how much of a great addition Piper was to team WCW at this point in time. Yeah. Um, a great, like you sort of said, Simon, flair never comes back. So it's basically the outsiders going to town on Roddy Piper, who holds his own very much till the finish.
1: Had his working boots on. There's one point where Piper gets a hot tag, and this is sort of the whole thing of like, doesn't matter what moves you do. If you're over, that's what matters. His hot tag. So in modern times, a hot tag is a Canadian destroyer, a 450, a dive to the outside. Roddy Piper's hot tag is I poke to Nash, I poke to Hall, and a sleeper hold, and the crowd loses their mind. Loses so their mind, It yeah. shows the character he built for 20 years up to this point.
0: The loosest sleeper hold I've ever seen in my life. Mm. That's like the type of like fun one I put on my dog when I'm playing around with him. I'm like, yeah. Ah, good, yeah. Yeah. And he yeah. was, and then like, and then the the way that Nat, um, that whole he was just like bear clawing his cell. That was a bit of a piss take, and I popped for it. But the, that, um, yeah, the hot tag and the crowd went huge for it.
2: The the pipe. sleeper hold is is essentially him trying to invite more people into the sleeper hold. (laughs) There's
1: there's room for more. (laughs) He was trying to give everyone a hug for Father's Day. That's what
2: the sleeper hold But but we see a Razor's Edge finish it. Nothing is more impressive than peak Scott Hall um, slash Razor Ramon doing a Razor's Edge because he gets the real height too. And then that's it. One, two, three. The outsiders win the match and this is where the paper you like were just like, Oh, look, you know, there, there's a nice bit of uh, a nice bit of cream on top of this cake.
0: Did you see the spot before the razor's edge? Like Piper was hung between the ropes and Scott Hall just starts slapping his head like he's playing a drum solo. <laughs> yeah, and, then the <laughs> and then he puts him up with the and he puts him up razor's edge and plops him just square on his neck. And that, that was just the best. Tony Schiavone. For the match. He, Tony didn't call
1: it the Outsiders Edge here. I think he forgot what it was called, and he's like, "Oh, he's getting him up for the uh, for the NWO drop." It's not the yeah. NWO drop. What's that? <laughs>
2: You know what happened? I guarantee he was about to go, it's all right.
1: It's a crucifix power bomb. <laughs> yeah. I, I do want to say though, is it weird? So we've been doing this for a year. We've watched the year of WCW shows. Paul and Nash are two of the biggest stars in wrestling. They jump from WWE, former world champ and former intercontinental champ. They've been a tag team for a whole year. Neither guy went for a main event run right away. Is that weird?
2: Um look, in Scott Hall is very big in saying that, like, you know, he's not a marker himself. And uh he's just he's just happy to he's just there to collect a paycheck. He's more than happy to say that. And Nash, I think, was just testing out the waters a little bit because out of the two like, if, we, if we're doing, you know, there always has to be a workhorse, always has to be a star, like Hogan and Savage. Savage is clearly the man doing the heavy lifting in terms of work rate and whatnot. Hogan's the one bringing in people. Out of Nash and Hall, Nash is clearly the more marketable sort of person. Like, he's got the charisma. He's a, a good-looking cat. Not that Scott Hall isn't, too, because he's, he's using machismo, for crying out loud. But you can sort of say, because... This is the sort of time where I reckon WCW sort of look and go, you know, that we got something with Nash. Because it's it's probably maybe six months away from the Wolfpack splitting off.
1: Yeah, I suppose, yeah, into 98 when they do that. But it, it's interesting that for a year they committed to being a tag team. And look, these matches they have on pay-per-view are main mm. events. They had main event tag team matches on pay-per-view. Maybe they knew they couldn't override Hogan yet but they st- they come close to stealing the show on every pay-per-view we've reviewed for WCW in terms of crowd reactions.
2: I was about to say there's one big factor that stops their main eventness and that is Hulk Hogan. You're always going to be second banana to Hogan. If Hogan wasn't there they're definitely main event is full stop. but so Maybe
1: um, they knew. We'll get the best reaction during the show and we'll just say, yep, you have the main event.
2: Race Z finishes it up. We get to the main event. This is Macho Man versus DDP. We got Michael Buffett doing the intro. Uh He does the intro for Mickey J, the referee too, who it was just a strange one there. Mickey J was actually quite a big staple of WWE later on too. Um, I don't know how many nitros you've watched in succession on, but he's basically like... There, because you remember how the WWE used to always have Earl Hebner and Mike Chioda and that kind of roster. Mickey J is essentially the Earl Hebner role. And would you say that who would you say is the
1: Earl Hebner of WCW, Simon? Mickey J or um, Nick Patrick? It's got to be Nick Patrick to me. Or Nick, Nick Patrick and Charles Robinson were the two big WCW refs.
2: Is that only like? But do you remember, remember Little Nage only because? Of his role as Little Nage, because it's not till late WCW that
1: Charles yeah, Robinson. That's, sort
0: that's, of gets true. The run. that's true. Mickey yeah, J it- was a, a big deal. Mm-hmm. When did Robinson show up? Was it like ninety nine?
2: Uh no, no, late ninety-eight, because they okay. still had the they still had the old WCW set. Okay. Like with the big WCW, as opposed to, as um, as opposed to the weird spaceship logo that they had towards the end of the uh, run. But uh, we're getting yeah. well ahead of ourselves here. Um, <laughs> let's get to the main event: Macho Man versus DDP. Michael Buffer does the intro as I just mentioned. He then goes to say that this is a lights out match. So which, cool. Which, to be fair, didn't really mean anything towards the end.
0: <laughs> the explosions were cool. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't explain
1: what a lights out match was. Like we kind of know now cuz we've He seen said it was unsanctioned. Yeah, but he didn't uh, explain that lights out meant unsanctioned.
0: Hmm. Oh, well, at the journey's during his, journey's journey's uh his pro at the start, he's pro like oh this is like you know this is an unsanctioned no cats anywhere match and then like a minute later it's a lights out match. Hmm. Yeah. And,
2: and, then it's, and then it just gets into an absolute brawl. So much to the point where, like, I love how Michael Buffer has when the brawling starts in the ring. Oh, yeah, because it's a really cool entrance. So Macho Man comes out with Elizabeth. DDP does his entrance too. Kimberly's at the stage. And then DDP, who proves that he's the smartest man in pro wrestling, always attacks him from the crowd or gets him from behind. He
0: out-NWO's the
2: NWO.
0: I never realized that Macho had his own NWO music. Um, Hogan did
2: too, didn't he?
1: Hogan had, yeah, Voodoo Child. He would no, use no, no, that. But,
2: but even before Voodoo Child, like he'd have, like, you know, like, like it had, they'd have the NWO voiceover dude going, like, you know, the, mo- the most recognized person in uh, pro wrestling history. Like they'd have the voiceover over the NWO theme.
0: Because Whereas- I never, re- I never realized that Macho is just like, ooh yeah, and then it starts yeah. like the, the NWO. I never realized that until like I was watching it an hour and a half ago. Yeah, so well,
2: that's the thing. Like the outsiders came out to the regular NWO theme. Everyone came out to the regular NWO mm. theme, except um, the B team members uh, like Buff Bagwell and all that. But um, Hulk Hogan had a couple of voiceovers dropped in. Same with Macho Man. One of those little, uh, before but then, then of course, Hogan made Rudy Child quite famous in terms of the uh, the entrance there, but um, this just turns out to be an absolute brawl, and yeah, I love this match. Macho Man and DDP, the probably one of the best WCW combinations, and Simon, we've watched since Bash of the Beach 1996, the evolution of DDP into like his quote unquote final form, and he's hitting it on Slender Sea. He already had it figured it out. The matches he had with Macho Man, you'd have to say took him to the next level.
1: Yeah, this puts him on the map, and we've got DDP here in his shiny black tights. Like, he looks awesome. He's got Kimberly with him. The crowd loves him. Straight up brawl. They go into the crowd. They go backstage. Like, at one point, DDP throws Macho Man through a door and then grabs a crutch from some kid and then waits for Randy Savage to walk back through the door just so he could hit him with it, and it was great. Like, that was such a DDP thing because, like you said, he can out-NWO them because he only turned face sort of by circumstance. He turned face because he turned the NWO down. He was still kind of, you know, like he would cheat if he had to. He would use dirty tactics. He would brawl, and I think that's what made DDP kind of stand out compared to some of the other, like, goody-goody faces in WCW. He was cool. He had an edge.
2: There was even the uh, the picnic day area, that weird picnic area that they brawled into as well, where he even gets <laughs> the, the best line where he gets the entire barbecue. It's like, oh, no, he's found the Weber. And then <laughs> they tip the ch- – that's an actual line. And then they tip the charcoal at him. And then I think Brain says, it's good that you didn't set him on fire there.
1: <laughs>
0: I love how Dusty was like, get the barbecue pit. Get get the barbecue
1: pit. They also called that the VIP area. Why would VIPs be sitting in a fake barbecue set backstage? Yeah, that is a VIP area.
2: If that is a VIP area, you got to check those T's and C's on your tickets. That's all I'm saying.
0: (laughs) I'll tell you what, though. um, Dusty was on. He was popping me huge in this match because there was one stage where um, Elizabeth was standing in front of um, Macho. And DDP throws her oh, into the barricade. The and then Dusty goes, that's what needs to be done. Get the women out of the way. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God.
2: <laughs> it's like Dusty, Dusty, Dusty. Yeah.
0: Uh, that's one thing
2: that I've, I've missed uh, from Dusty Rhodes, uh, because anytime woman, as in... Uh, uh, the like, devilish woman. The devilish woman. Uh, <laughs> so that was quite good. But I'll tell you, and if you doubt just how much of a star DDP is right now, when he hits that diamond cutter, how much does the place erupt?
0: Yeah. It's
2: huge.
1: They it love it. It is so huge. That move um, had a life of its own. The only, the only part that disappointed me in terms of how over DDP was, at one point he's just getting beat up by Randy Savage in the corner and the crowd starts a we want Sting chant. What dicks.
0: Like mm. cheer for DDP. He doesn't need yeah. help. help. When was the last time we saw Sting? On, on um, pay-per-view or TV? Was it, has up, it been a, a while?
1: Months. Yeah, on, on pay-per-view at least.
0: Hey, was he on yeah. Nitro at this point? Was he on Nitro? Because I know you've no. been watching Nitro. He'd show up He's- sometimes.
2: But only in the rafters. Mm. Only in the rafters. Literally, you might as well just have you know, him on a video wall. Because like, literally yeah. he hasn't wrestled in ages. Hasn't even spoken. Like They haven't even made the challenge yet for Starcade, have they?
0: But he wrestles soon, doesn't he?
2: No, in no, December. we're still a couple of months away. Yeah, we're still Whoa. a couple of months away. Okay. That's like when when Eric Bischoff uh, goes and says, like, you know, Sting, like, didn't exactly spend a year in the gym.
1: <laughs> he didn't ban himself. Well, he's got... <laughs>
2: yeah. Like, you want to talk about ring rust. Like, this guy literally was just spent his entire time in the rafters or falling from the rafters uh, on the little zipline gimmick and smacking people with baseball bats. Like, um, so... And I, I i'll give the i'll give the audience a little bit of leeway here because they're so conditioned. It's a pay per view. Surely something big will happen to save the like Sting is the all might like you know he's the divine intervention that'll help solve the Dusty and WO. So I'll give him a little bit of leeway there, Simon. It's
1: a one on right. one match. He's he's not <laughs> yeah. helpless. Although yeah. well, at, at one point after this, Randy Savage piled drives mickey j and that was kind of
2: cool. yeah. yes yes in fact three referees get taken out <laughs> it's it's crazy
0: it's, um, there, um one of my favorite points of the match was when um uh Marto was like threatening kimberly page and she was backed into the corner and there was some little like incel beard had like his arms like around kimberly protecting her I'm like get out of it just yeah, like, we'll, don't you... you, you slimy little nerd. His like, hand was you.
1: very close to her waist. It was very, it was really awesome. gross. <laughs> like,
2: I'll save you from Macho Man, Kimberly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like a ta- it's like Revenge of the Nerds. Uh,
2: we look forward to seeing that man at a WrestleCon in the future.
0: But um, <laughs> um, just a, just a quick one, Simon. Age game. How old was DDP? How old was Macho Man? Because I because I looked this one
1: up. Randy Savage was. Older than most guys. I'm going to say he was 47.
0: No, he was 44. Really? What yeah. No way? <laughs> really. I'm fairly certain he was 44. That's my. That's my maths is terrible. But um. I mean, how old was DDP?
2: 47.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, he was uh 41.
2: Wow, that I, that I can say. I can understand that, but
0: yeah, no, no, my math, my math is right. Yeah, no, um, Macho was was uh the fifteenth of November, nineteen fifty two, and uh, this match was the what June, nineteen ninety seven. So he was 97? yeah, he was forty five. Wow. forty five. Yeah, forty five. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Wow,
2: Jeez, Louise, like that is like in <laughs> the eighties did really did a number on Macho. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh so, yeah, they did. Activity <laughs> slim gyms. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, look. Um, we then get some NW interference. Scott Hall runs in with uh, character select number three as the attire. Uh, Interferes, <laughs> does the raid uh, this one of the sloppiest Razor's Edge I've ever seen on DDP. Yeah, it was real
0: sloppy.
2: This was really really bad. But um, oh
0: yeah, Macho Man bashing up one of my own. How about that spot? Oh, well, he takes out the cameraman. Yeah. yeah he and, and destroys, he the, camera oh, and destroys like, the camera. And destroys the camera. like, you just ruined one of my ideas for a spot at MCW, you prick. But, <laughs> steal um, it. <laughs> hey. I'm no, worried, no don't mate.
2: steal it because he destroys the camera.
0: <laughs> hey, my, 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 my camera bricked itself the last show. I've got no camera currently. <laughs> so we're good. Use we're that dummy camera, camera as a prop yeah. camera.
1: It's wrecked anyway. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Thanks, Marso. You're legend.
2: But yeah, so Hall interferes, does does a race's edge. Um, DDP then gets taken out by the elbow, and that is it. We're done and dusted. And this it was match a very quick be...
0: wrap up, wasn't it? Oh, it really crazy was. Crazy. It, was like, it was like it was like three count. Okay, see you guys.
2: It was literally like you know, and that's it. Thanks for joining us, everybody. And then you have Brain. Like, don't forget Nitro. <laughs> <laughs> Which was so good. Watch Nitro tomorrow and roll
0: credits. And that. How how good was Macho's elbow drop? That that was like one of the most perfect Macho elbows ever. He got so much length on the jump.
2: It was the good camera angle too. It was just fantastic. Like no one does it better. Like Macho Man Randy Savage. It was just so good. But yeah, we are done and dusted. This uh, and the Great American Bash is in the books and going to be a little bit controversial here. We talk about how, like, you know, you have a good main event, you leave people happy. I I reckon that the four good matches make this a passable pay-per-view. Like, you've definitely got a cherry pick in this pay-per-view. Don't watch it start to finish, but it's definitely a cherry picker sort of one where you watch the opening two matches and the last two matches, and you've got yourself a great night of uh, wrestling viewing. What did you think, Owen?
0: Um. Yeah, it was it was a very bookend pay per view, wasn't it? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, those two absolute belter matches at the start and the two main events at the end, but everything in between was a little bit rough. I mean, look, the women's match was good, but everything the thing, else, the Conan was-
2: match is just awful. <laughs>
0: Oh, like that, exactly. That like ruins the entire show for me. And again, I, I know you liked it, but Simon and I weren't a big fan of the Meng and Benoit match. Hmm. Like it was just a little bit like wishy-washy in the middle. And like, again, nine matches and like four of them were like, look, that's almost a half, like a half pass mark. Hmm. But um, look, I didn't mind the show. Like I probably wouldn't watch it again. But like, I'm kind of glad I did because, like, yeah, the, those last two matches and the first two were just like super worth watching and super mm. worth my time. So this was very much a staple off, uh,
2: like we we talked about this off air too, Simon. Like WCW would always sort of bookend their stuff where, like you know, so the first match you'd watch, would be like this is fantastic. I'm so glad I spent my thirty nine ninety nine or whatever it was back then, and then by the end of it, probably to not get you so annoyed that you just plonk down your hard earn. They've gone, "Ah, well, you know, that wasn't so bad. I was quite happy with that Hogan um, versus Flair main event.
1: Yeah, you almost can't treat this show like one that you would watch all in one go, you know? If this was on live, you would watch those first two matches and then go make lunch in the middle, go get a drink, go to the bathroom and just come back for what you care about. They don't give yeah. you a reason to care about those matches in the middle. Even though it started and ended well, I, I think I still didn't like the show because the middle was... The, the middle was almost worse than any other middle of the show we've seen. Mm. It left a bad taste in my mouth. But, yeah, the good was good, but the bad was horrible.
2: Yeah, the bad was a little bit horrible, like I said. But, but like, going back to how WCW didn't really they didn't really know how to structure the middle of their pay-per-views and that's very true but at the same time we've also moved a little bit further away from the days where you know you had um, what was that was it Ice Tra- Ice Train remember like Ice Train and Scott Norton <laughs> yeah. matches like we've, we've thankfully we've at least moved away from that stuff
0: hey fire and
1: ice rule <laughs> but now we have Conan and Hugh Morris so it's not any better <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah look look yeah it, it's really as you pick your poison don't you but look uh, all in all, like I said, cherry-pick this one because the two-man events are fantastic.
0: Mm.
2: There's probably better um Harlem Heat and Steiner Brothers matches that you could watch, both individual, like, both, you know, Harlem Heat versus Steiner Brothers matches and Harlem Heat and Steiner Brothers independent matches of themselves yeah. that you can check out on the network. But uh, And there are much better Ultimo Dragon psychosis matches too. But, yeah, this is really a two-match show all in all. Like, if you want to tell someone... You've got to see the rise of DDP. This is one of the shows. It's one of the main events that you got to watch.
1: Mm. Mm. Well, who was the main the MVP on this show? It wasn't Mean Gene on this one, as much as we love him.
2: No, this was definitely a, a stretch for Mean Gene Oakland here. I, this, you know, okay, if we if we're talking if we're talking um, in ring, I'm going to say Scott Hall.
1: Yeah. Because yeah, Scott Paul. Hall was a superstar on this show.
2: Yeah. Hall is really the thread that goes through the entire thing. But if we're encompassing everything, including, you know, concession stand holders, I'm gonna say Sonny Ono. Cool, because <laughs> sunny Ono, actually, like he's a constant throughout this paper. Like in every match that he's involved in, like he makes he adds that extra bit of theatrics to the um to the to the opening match. He's great in the women's match as well.
1: But yeah, like is just entertaining. He even takes a selfie when he's walking to the ring with his wrestlers.
0: He may have Yeah, with a character, yeah. Oh. Amazing. Oh. On the old disposable cameras. <laughs> um yeah, I I probably agree with you there, Nimsy. I reckon um yeah, definitely. Yeah, Hulk and Hall are probably my uh my best my BOG. My three votes.
2: I definitely, uh, it's going to be a hard one to to split the two. Um, you'd lean, actually, now I say that, you'd lean a bit more towards Scott Hall there because you did a lot of the heavy lifting. But yeah. uh, all in all, like I, I left that pay per view fairly, uh, like I said, the main event left a good taste in the mouth as opposed to the rest. But you're right, the middle is just atrocious. The highs are so high, but the lows are just ground zero, aren't they?
1: Yeah, these lows were underground. And then again, this was a show without Hogan, without Luger, without The Giant, without Sting. Mm -hmm. So this next one, Bash at the Beach, you know, a year on from when the NWO formed, it's a big one. We've got Dennis Rodman involved. So I'm looking forward to that. WCW better deliver. We've had two okay shows from them. This one better be a big one. But at least the next show we're reviewing is WWE In Your House Canadian Stampede. We are guaranteed a good show at least.
2: Mm. This is arguably given, this Canadian stampede is universally recognised as the best. Next to WrestleMania X7, this is the best WWF preview of all time. Uh, a lot of hyperbole and a lot of salt and peppers going into that, but uh, it's definitely what uh, the consensus is and I cannot wait for that one too. Oh,
0: and and if, I, abs- if, if I get my way, I might be back for that show. <laughs> <laughs>
2: But um, Owen, mate, we loved you. We always love getting you on board at WCW Pay Per View, man. And uh, just your final thoughts with the entire presentation, with everything that you've just seen in the past three hours.
0: Yeah, look, it was an interesting one. As I said, that's the, the top. The, the 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 top two, like the, the bottom two and the top two matches were awesome. Everything in between was a bit air. But production wise, it was probably better than the Starcade match I watched at the start of the year. So. I must say, I was pretty like that, that was good. Like, they're definitely getting better and better. Um, I just had a quick glance at the card for the uh for Bash of the Beast 97, and uh, <laughs> it's a tasty looking card. I must say, I'll have to watch that. I'll, I'll either, either have to again intrude in, on on this show and reveal it or just watch it or go along with you guys because uh, I actually haven't again, I haven't seen any of these shows because this mm. look, like, I was like what I was almost at, break, at, at leg breaking stage of my mm. life, I was only two when these shows were happening, so I it's still, it's still like new wrestling for me, so it's very very cool.
2: And that's the, and that's the premise that we've been absolutely loving about doing, reliving the war for the past twelve months. The fact that it gets people watching old wrestling, yeah. so we so we don't all sound like Rocky Monero and like oh it was so good back in the day da 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 da. Shout out to Dad if you are listening. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, look, uh, this has been a lot of fun. We've got Canadian Stampede coming up next. Oh, and if people want to check you out on the socials,
0: they can check you out where uh digital underscore beard on instagram it's very uh very lackluster at the moment it's kind of just there's no posts because there's no shows to you know shoot or anything but uh i do post uh, daily photos of my brand new six-month-old puppy dog on my instagram story so if you want some uh tully action that isn't tully blanchard although i am getting him a full horseman t-shirt so um (laughs) if you want some tully action uh he's on my instagram story (laughs)
2: make sure you do check out uh, the fine work that Owen's done because let's not forget the start of 2021. There was a lot going on. There's some great photos from the death match down under uh, initial shows and the shows that uh, from there onwards, some great uh, MCW snaps as well. So make sure you check it out. Plus uh, there's a couple of uh, shows. Uh, you did a couple of throwback images, the old black and white moody ones that you really excel at that uh, I really yeah, enjoy.
0: My portrait work that everyone seems to be jumping on the bandwagon, but remember who started it? This guy. (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) so make
2: sure you check that one out for yourself. But um, Simon, this has been a lot of fun. We'll be back again, same time right here on Reliving the War. I don't know why I did the same time. I went into, I'm hosting the driver's seat. mode. (laughs) Join us next week where we'll chat to Jake Kostecki. Uh (laughs) Oof. (laughs) But yeah, we'll be back with a big edition of Reliving the War right here on the Grey Wolf Network. We'll catch you next time.
0: This has been another presentation from the Grey Wolf
1: Entertainment Network. Greywolfentertainment.net.